Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show with Tamara Gondor. That is me. Hey, I just want to remind you all to go and leave us a review on iTunes. It really means the world to us. If you're listening to this, I know you get value out of this. Here's the thing I want to remind you of. All of the guests that we have on are everyday innovators from across the globe. Here's what that means. That means they're out there doing it, living it, being it. So have you heard of them before? Probably not. Will you ever interact with them in the day-to-day life? Probably not, but you have experienced the benefit of hearing their experience and their wisdom and their um, their brilliance. And oftentimes the people we have on, it's the first time they've ever been interviewed. And it makes me so happy because they say the most brilliant things. And so I want you to go leave a review for all those everyday innovators. It's not just for me as the host, it really is like giving them a round of applause. So when you're done listening to this incredible one, go leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right. Speaking of brilliance, my guest today, Sandy, let me tell you a little bit about her everyday innovator style before we dig in. So Sandy is an imaginative futuristic, such an interesting combination. You'll hear this as I'm talking about, and you'll hear it in how she talks. So the imaginative side is all about playing in the gaps. It's about Um, less is almost more for imaginative. So they're really good at creating fresh novel approaches to things. So while a lot of us get stuck in the data, um, imaginatives tend to be able to play where there is no data. And you know them oftentimes because their stuff isn't, how do I say this? It like, if I do a project with an imaginative, their stuff doesn't look as organized as someone who might be a tweaker or an inquisitive because they're more linear. So their stuff is a little bit kind of, you know, all over the place, but That's because it's novel and fresh. Then the futuristic side is all about forest through the trees. And if you're futuristic out there, you're really good at creating long-term solutions because you think 10 steps ahead, right? Everything is like the next step to the next step to the next step. Today's problems are tomorrow's opportunities. So the combination of imaginative futuristic brings out novel forward innovation. How cool is that? Something that we desperately need more of right now. All right. So with that, Sandy, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are, what you do. Okay. I am on the threshold at the age of, um, I'm young enough to know better, but old enough not to care or (laughs) just the opposite. Um, I used, no, I used to be young enough, but now I'm old enough to know better. But anyway, uh, I am, I'll be 76 this year. And so, so much of my future is behind me. And yet I can't stop putting things together, thinking about things and concern and with the state of everything right now, it's scary yeah, and frustrating. So I'm, I'm also frustrated at feeling kind of meaningless because I don't have a full-time job or I don't have anything. Uh, set that I have to dig into on a daily basis. So I I need purpose in my life. 
Hey, can I ask you a question, Sandy, on that? Um, Because I think what you said is really interesting about like, even though uh, there's a lot of experience behind you, you can't help but think about like what's next, what's next, or kind of what that future looks like. Do you find that you just like your brain is constantly on and going? Do you find that you can shut it off? I'm just, I'm just curious because I think a lot of people, especially who are futuristic, um, have a hard time shutting it off because they're always looking at what's coming, right? Like they, <laughs> they want to figure out what's next. I want to solve everything. <laughs> And it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, but I have I have ideas, and because I'm just one person, and I don't have the other type of innovators as part of my team, mm-hmm. that I I'm kind of stuck on a treadmill in some yeah. instances. And uh, it would be nice to have partners or something, or know who to take my ideas to. So that's that's a frustrating piece. How do you think about, I think what you said right now is really important, especially for, well, for two types of people. One is entrepreneurs, like, so people like you and me who are a little bit find ourselves on islands trying to get stuff done. That's Um, a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I feel that way too. I feel like sometimes I'm just like by myself under the palm tree, you know, trying to figure it out. (laughs) And, but I also think that there are people inside organizations who feel that way because their thinking is different than everybody else's. So I'm just curious from your perspective, like how you think about that being on that island or how you think about kind of the things that you create and where where that causes you to get stuck when you don't have that obvious team that maybe some other people have. I I think it's throwing my seeds of ideas out there, but not having a place to put them. It's like throwing seeds on arid ground or something because I can't get any follow through on things that I think are really good ideas. I think what you're saying is a really important reminder to all of us that we really can't and shouldn't do it alone. Cause I think sometimes we put ourselves on that Island accidentally. Cause we're like, I, this is my idea. Like I got to go do it. Um, so I really appreciate, well, I appreciate a couple of things of what you're saying that. And I do think a lot of us are really frustrated with, there's so many problems that could be solved right now. Um, that we're all facing and then we're looking at like, there's got to be a better way to deal with this, you know? Um, but, but we're like one person in a sea of everything happening. Yes, totally. Hey, I want to flip it for a second and ask you, what's a big win or something that you're proud of? Okay. Um, I, I have started uh, working with a senior women's softball team. And these gals are so much fun because I'm helping coach them. And uh, a lot of them have never played softball. Um, a lot of them have s- some experience. Some of them have quite a bit of experience, but they're all tenacious and they just really have a lot of drive and they're working really hard at getting better. And it's fun to see because they're all over 60. And we have one 90 year old and uh, we're trying to put together an 80-year-old team that can go to Huntsman Senior ta- Tournaments. Oh, how fun. <laughs> oh, and it's it's a ball for them. It's a Just being around these ladies is inspiring. Mm. So let me ask you a few questions about that. One, what got you into doing this? What made you decide to go out and do this? And two, what is it about them you find inspiring? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, okay. What got me into it? I have loved softball my whole life. And I have never been, I've never had friends who played it. 
I always had to find a team to play with. I always had to, you know, but I just, I just really enjoy it. And I learned the game in such detail that it's a thinking game. There is so much thought process that goes into softball that uh, it, the strategy uh, is really something that I enjoy. And um, with these women, uh, like I said, a lot of them don't even know to tag up on a fly ball, stuff like that. And it's like basics. And yet you've got the other people that are a little more advanced, but everybody works, is working together so well and helping each other. We have a mother daughter on the team, which is so cool because the daughter is so supportive of her mom doing this. And it's just the camaraderie, the fun, the uh, just everybody's tenacity just is thrilling to me. I just really enjoy that piece. And I cannot play myself right now, although I try to hobble around. I have a bad knee, bad leg. But uh, that doesn't stop me. I, I take a rollator out there so I can sit on something. My mother's just passed away, so I have a lot of, uh, you know, her equipment and stuff. So I use that, but it, it, just so I could sit down and get up. I tried a bucket, and that does not work. <laughs> so, They're a little low to the ground, it turns out. Well, yeah, and there's nothing to push up on. <laughs> so, I know, it sounds like there's an innovation idea in here somewhere, but... Uh, you know, I just have to say, here's what here's what I hope people listening, I hope kind of what you take away from the story, at least what I'm taking away from it anyway, is one is how great it is to go out there and find something you love and spend time on it. I think we get so busy in our day to day that we forget to find those things that kind of feed our soul. And I think those things feed our creativity and feed our innovation. So, so they do much more than just, you know, a couple hours a week of engaging and fun, like it actually trickles out into everything else that we do, I think. And the other thing is, I love what you're just saying about having a bad knee, just not because I want you to have a bad knee, of course, but because it's like, it goes to show you that, okay, you may not do it the way you thought you wanted to do it. Like you can't play softball, but you can coach, right? Like there's other things you can do. So I think this, we get this barrier in our heads that we can't do something because it's not in the absolute vision of the way we thought it to begin with but maybe there's other ways to do right yeah totally <laughs> so what is a story of something innovative or creative that you've done that's helped you i don't know solve something or figure something out oh well let's see does that go along with the uh um a big a challenge that i faced or sure. something or if, if they're yeah. combined for you, then absolutely. Okay. Well, I have a problem believing in myself. Mm. And I finally got, I got a job at an older age. I think I was 68. Um, working for the post office. Started right at Christmas time. Heavy, heavy duty. That's crazy time. A crazy time of year. And the really weird thing was in spite of the incredible hours I had to put into it because I was slower than ever, you know, I was, a, I was a newbie and, um, but I was getting better and, but I loved it and I loved driving my little LLV and, um, it took me forever to get out there, <laughs> but, um, 
it was a fascinating, fun experience. And I felt I could really use my mind, um, kind of knowing and learning every different thing. And um, just as I was getting used to things and stuff, I there was a fellow who I really tried to stay away from politics because I've had so many bad experiences in the past where, boy, you have to, you know, go along with the flow. You have to, whatever, you have to march to a certain drummer. And so I'm just taking care of business in my little cubicle and in my sorting cube. And uh, uh, because I was so slow, there was an instance where one guy was a regular was going to get it reprimanded or something and he wanted to fight it and because i was slow he wanted to use me as an example and to i don't know what happened but anyway i was terminated or i had to terminate myself and because i couldn't keep up and that was really hard on me uh, because I was trying so hard. I was, and I knew I would get better. And I wasn't even there for the 80 days. They say all of a sudden everything clicks in at your 80th to 90th day. And I hadn't even gotten that far along. So needless to say, it was very disappointing, very frustrating. And we had, <laughs> there's not a lot of opportunities to go to the bathroom when you're out on your route. So, and it was just like two days before this happened, uh, we were looking for, you know, something to get you through that hump or whatever. And my husband comes up with this five gallon bucket and a round piece of wood. <laughs> he says, I can cut a hole in this. I could see me carrying that thing through the, the mail post office to go to get it to my, because I was in different LLVs all the time. I laughed so hard. I had tears running down my eyes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it would have solved the problem. One one day I was, it was dark, late at night. I was in the mountain areas and I thought, okay, I've got to just pull over someplace. And just as I pull over, three coyotes trot across in front of me. <laughs> I said, nope, I think I can hold it. So back to the truck, back to the truck. Exactly. So um, I was just like, and we, you know, figured things out. And well, the day I got terminated, uh, I just called home and told my husband he didn't have to order that device, you know, that would have helped, would have solved the problem. So, um, but it was interesting because at the time it allowed me to go with my family to pick a Christmas, get a Christmas tree up in the mountains. And so there was that. I got was very supportive from a lot of people saying, you know, it was a tough position that I was put in, plus with my bad knee. You know, it was just, there were a lot of circumstances that it was very tough for someone my age that I wish I could have done it when I was younger. But, um, also, right about that same time, my innovation that I had started years ago with um, desktop publishing, I started my little self-employment of desktop publishing, 
and I was doing 24-page booklets, an annual one of those. I was helping people put together books and designing their books um, and really having a lot of fun with that. Because I did not advertise or anything, because I was my only person, I didn't wasn't ready to get too busy. But at that at that that particular time, I had a project come in, so that gave me something else to focus on and move forward with. So that meant a lot to me. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Let me ask you a question. So I have so many questions for you, Sandy, but first of all, I want to thank you for sharing the... The st- your work story that you just shared, because you know I have so many thoughts as you're as you're sharing that. One is, well, if, what did you said eighty days is eighty to ninety days when things click. Is why don't they just aut- give people to eighty to ninety days before they make a decision about you? That's number one. Number two is, um, I appreciate your willingness to to go out there and try it and to try to solve the problem. You know, which is a real problem. Like a lot of, it's funny. I think a lot of jobs have challenges for their employees that leadership doesn't even realize. They just don't like it. Doesn't even occur to them, right? That that's a challenge because they're not out there doing it. So they don't see how it impacts. Um, so I think there's some great lessons in there for those of us paying, listening to you, thinking, all right, what what problems am I causing my employees that I don't even realize I'm causing because I'm not doing the job. I don't understand it. And to take the time to go do it for a day and see kind of what that what that takes, you know? Um, 
My question for you is when you got into the desktop publishing, you were kind of ahead of the game. Like now, right? Independent publishing is a big deal. Like everybody does it, right? What made you decide to get into that? Or what made you kind of take that path ahead of everybody else? Well, I got into desktop publishing when cut and paste literally meant glue and scissors. So, um, (laughs) and that's what um, got me started, basically. And I was finding myself, you know, helping people with posters, helping people with um, different things. And then I had a book idea that I wanted to do. And um, I thought, I thought I could do it. Like I said, with my scissors and pay glue. And um, I did, I set it all up and did the masking out of where the words would go. It was totally different then. Um, and I took it to a... But you were so ahead of it. I, it was just something I enjoyed. I, in high school, I was an editor of the little newslet, newspaper for school and stuff. So it probably started way back then. And starting at 16, I was making my own Christmas cards. <laughs> and, I've still do, and I'm still doing it. You, you know what, Sandy? This is, here's what I love about this. is It reminds me, it, it's a reminder to me to take the things that I love and say, how can I build a business or a life around this? And I think I've done a pretty good job of that. Like I love unlocking potential in people. I love ideas. I love innovation. I love new products. Like part of me wishes I was an infomercial host because I like I would just to churn through new products to me would be like a joy, right? Like how fun would that be? But what a great, like I think your story is just a great example of that. Like you're like, I made my own Christmas cards. Excuse me, like, and that's kind of like, and then that just kind of took me down the path. But we all have those things that we love that we don't think about. They're just like this little side passion that we do, (laughs) but we don't translate that into a business the way you did. Well, and I didn't get serious about it until the the uh, experience of looking for work at an older age, uh, and you know, moving on from jobs that weren't working out or that. I wasn't appreciated or I would not get the promotion or the extension of a job because somebody else was favored for some odd reason or something. It was just, it was uncanny. Uh, The number of things that would happen to me that were just pure unlucky and not because I was incapable of doing the work or wasn't loyal or anything like that but it's just things just happened beyond me but that's i think the final thing was um the post office yeah and for a long time i'd see a little llv in the neighborhood and i think oh that could be me driving so it, it was very hurtful yeah well and i think um you know i think the reality is as we get older uh the job market gets harder. Yes. For a lot of different reasons. And, you know, I think work favors youth um, over experience sometimes. And oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, and for right or wrong, right. It, it is what it is. And uh, someone was saying to me the other day with the economy, the way it is, if you consider getting a job and I was like, well, I haven't worked for somebody else in 20 years. I don't know. Anybody, or 10 years. actually. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody would hire me at this point, you know? So, <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't want to, but I, but I think, you know, it's those things that you don't really anticipate as you get older 
And then, but what I love about your story, Sandy, is that I think it also shows, well, there's other ways to do it. So you got to figure out the other ways because yeah. yeah. the traditional way may or may not work for you, depending on your career, your path, your life, the cat industry that you're going into, all of that, right? Yeah. Every time, um, yeah, like for one job, I started a newsletter. Um, but they had this policy where you could never rate, evalu- be evaluated as any more than mediocre, medium. You, you couldn't, they had not, they did not have excellent, they did not have good or, you know, any of the categories. Huh. Right? The mid, mid range was if, <laughs> no matter what you did, medium, you were medium. Is so that, that, was kind of, that was kind of off putting. Well, is that business still around today? Yes, they are. Yeah. I'm a little surprised because I think you can't build a business on mediocrity. <laughs> well, you, you know, most life? people maybe were mediocre. I don't know. But oh I thought, you know, I was, I, I put out so much, I put out a lot of effort. And I was say, uh, how demoralizing though, if you're putting out all this effort and what you get back is like, that was average. But, okay. You're okay. <laughs> you know what though, Sammy? That's another great lesson. And that reminds me to really praise the people who are doing A plus work and make sure that that everybody knows that they're doing it it's, and they know that they're doing it, but also that that's the standard we're setting is A plus, not mediocre. Yeah. But you don't want to carry it to the um, extreme where it feels like, what is that? When you feel like people are putting stuff on you just because they have to, you know, it's like that that's irritating. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's so I easy to see through. So um, what does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? Uh, it means I've never been political, never in my life until about five, six years ago. <laughs> Everything's just like, ah! And um, I'm seeing problems more now and just the state of things and stuff. And it just really tore at my core, you know, some of the stuff that's going on, immigration, um, uh, the just just all the things that are going on in the world. So how, <laughs> well, for starters, during the pandemic, I uh, wanted to keep, you couldn't go anywhere, but you were using Zoom. So I found a way to keep my Bunko group going using Zoom. And we also play a game at the end, LCR, left, right, center. And it's a dice game. You roll the dice. And if it's a circle, you get to keep your, everyone has $3. Uh, You get to keep anything that you roll three dice. If it's a circle, you get to keep it. If it's a star, you have to put it in the men- middle. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, or left or right. Well, anyway, I found a way to keep that going during the pandemic. So everybody had their dice. Did the- You have to trust the people you're working with, <laughs> playing with them. But uh, we kept that going all during the pandemic. Um, the other thing... Uh, asylum seekers and what's going on with them. I came up with a proposal. I mean, literally, I looked up a template. I, <laughs> um, 
and I call it Hope City. And it's a potentially profitable solution for immigrants, for asylum seekers, where um, you create like the internment camps during World War II were a prime example of maybe a starter city because so many things are in place already. Uh, and families can stay together. Um, people would work for their food, for their, um, they would farm, they would uh, manufacture things, they would grow, um, well, grow the food, um, they would fix things, they would build things, they would uh, repair their construction of their, build their shelters and stuff like that. They would become part of a community during the transition period to become a, a citizen or transition to if they have family, whatever. So I got to tell you, Sandy, here's what makes, oh, I'm smiling so much when people watch this later on YouTube is I love that you took this big challenge that we're facing and actually worked on it. I think all too often... And I feel this way, and I'm guilty of this too. Like I'll talk about inflation, right? Or, you know, gas prices or housing prices or whatever, fill in the blank, right? Um, and, but it's like, it's such a big issue that I can't wrap my, you know, I can't wrap my head around it. And then I have no solutions for it because I can't even wrap my head around what the hell's going on. And so that the fact that you're over here, like, <clears throat> like there was this big issue and I, I worked on it. Like, and, and for those of you listening, by the way, I want you to strip away the judgment of whether you agree or disagree with like immigration policies. And like, it's not about that right now. What, what I hear is someone who's like, there's a big problem and I'm going to look up a template and I'm going to figure out a solution. And so I love that you did that. I just, I think we should all spend a little more time going, what's a piece that I could chip away at? Because I suspect that someone out there like Sandy has a solution that might actually work if the people who are making the decisions would actually source from look at it. <laughs> well, and source from people who are not the people they typically talk to. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm banging my head against a wall. But <laughs> well, it's like, you tackled a big one, but but I love that you went out and did that. Um, and I can't believe we're almost out of time because I know you've got other ideas oh. and other kind of things. Let me ask you a question: When you have, I'm curious about this, just in terms of like feeding your innovative mind and keeping kind of engaged and going when you have an idea that pops in your head, what do you like? If it's an idea that you're like, Oh, that's interesting. What do you do with it? Do you write it down? Do you put it somewhere or do you just like kind of let all the stuff sit in your head? It swirls around in my head. Sometimes I'll put parts of things down or something like right now I'm looking for a buyer for 2,800 nativities. Uh, for a friend of mine um, and so I'll think about it a little bit and then it'll go to the background then it'll swirl back in um, I'm right now I'm writing a humorous dictionary for the elderly um, CRS can't <laughs> remember you know what <laughs> yeah. does it include all the new slang that I can't keep up with uh, some of it some of it <laughs> Yes, because I have different parts to it and gift ideas for elderly. Uh -huh. um, Love it. I have several children's books swirling around in my head. And I write poems, lighthearted and silly ones. And I do my own cards. 
and I make pillows. So I, depending on whatever's going on, I keep the, the CRS book is always kind of on my desktop. So if I think of an idea, I just go in there and fix it. Change it or whatever. I'm always curious. So I have a bucket on my, I'm traveling right now, so I'm not at my desk where I'd show it to you, but I have a bucket where I put ideas on sticky notes, one on a sticky note, and I put it in there. And it doesn't matter if it's the most ridiculous thing that pops into my head or something like really business directed, right? And all those things, because I find that if I don't write it down, I lose it. And 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 they all kind of, like to your said, like they kind of swirl around, one impacts another. Um, and I love that, but it, but you just never know what's going to come up, right? Because when you start looking at problems as something to solve every day, like there's opportunity for ideas everywhere, isn't there? Oh, totally. And you're right. If you don't write it down, I have uh, notes by my bed, you know, that I'm yeah. constantly jotting down stuff because I will forget by the time I wake up. <laughs> yeah, no, you and me both. And it's so frustrating. So I'm like at two in the morning, I thought that was brilliant. What was it? What was it? Uh, <laughs> yes. It was a total solution. Yeah, it solved everything in the world. Now I can't remember. Um, <laughs> before I, this has been fantastic. Before I ask you the last question, I wanna, I wanna dig into one little thing here as a point for our audience and for all of us. So, Sandy, you had said your age in the beginning, and um, I think it's really important that we have this conversation—a very real conversation about. Um, innovation or ideas or entrepreneurship, whatever you want to call it as we get older, because I think, you know, if you look at the magazines, it's like the 40 under 40 or 30 under 30. And um, I saw a meme somewhere that said, I, you know, forget the 30 under 30. I want the like 60 over 60 who started over again after, you know, losing their IRA or, you know, 20 years on the job and like has five grandkids. And I think we forget that there's still so much room for innovation as we get older, we have this pressure on us that has to be done in our 20s and 30s. And I'm 49. And I would say that my ideas and my business are much better now than they were 10 years ago. And I don't plan to slow down anytime soon. And I might have more naps along the way, but I don't plan to slow down the ideas. Uh, but, I, but I appreciate you coming on and sharing from your perspective, because we just... I think we dismiss, look over, or don't realize the importance of um, your generation and the ideas that can come out of it. Oh, definitely. I did a book for someone one time about office dynamics and stuff like that. And in one chapter, I just about went crazy because uh, they wanted to okay, how do you talk to senior people in your office? And he says, well, talk to them about their grandchildren. Well, how many people don't have grandchildren? Uh, or, you know, it's almost like they still have value for your company. Recognize that. They know the history. They know your goals. They are still in tune with what you're trying to do in your company, in your business. So use that. I think that is great advice to end on. So. Sandy, my last, my last question for you is, um, what's something we'd be surprised to learn about you? What was, okay, this was an interesting one because I really had a dig. <laughs> um, in the Miss Wisconsin pageant, uh, it was something my mother would have loved to have done. See, I was just following through on her plan. So I did this, but my talent was, doing a rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. 
I went on stage tossing a ball in the air <laughs> and catching it, thankfully, <laughs> and playing that tune. So um, it, it, it reminded me of the things my mother would have loved to have done, like going to college, going to doing that pageant stuff, being involved in different things and stuff. And so I learned a lot about her when I thought about that. I think she and it kind of comes full circle, right? Because now yeah, you did yeah, actually. Much, yeah. <laughs> that far along interest, I'm still working with it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's a great story. I learned the most fascinating things about people. Um, Sandy, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences, your frustrations. I think it's important that we air those. I think a lot of us have them and don't have a channel for it. So thank you for doing that. Um, and I can't wait to see which which one of the myriad of ideas that you're working on comes to life. So let us know when when one of those solutions get picked up by someone, because I'm pretty sure it will. Well, I may have to get someone from the other categories of innovators to help make sure something of does come to fruition, because I learned that from your book. So thank you. Yeah, for futuristic imaginatives, I think it's really good to hook up with experientials and collaborate. Yeah. Because experiences are all about doing and in motion, like right now. And yes. collaboratives are all about pulling other people in. Oh, I recognize that people. totally. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. Well, thanks for inviting me. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, Listens, bigger impact. Until next time.